Do you have a passion for creating? Do you paint, write, sculpt, knit, or do any of the thousands of things that make someone a creator? Do you dream of one day turning your passion into a career or lucrative side hustle? If you do, the Being Creative podcast is for you. We will talk to creators and learn how they went from hopeful hobbyists to thriving professionals. Welcome to episode three. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Brian D. Meeks. If you haven't listened to it, go and check it out. But that said, you don't need to listen to the previous episode to understand about what we're talking about in today's episode. It's based upon that, but it doesn't require you to listen. In this episode, we'll expand on a subject that was covered briefly in the interview with Brian. That's building an audience, primarily through email. I've talked to dozens of creators, and they almost always agree that the one thing they wish they had started earlier was a mailing list. While I'm sure many of you listening are familiar with email marketing, after all, you've been receiving 20% off coupons from Bed Bath & Beyond for years and receiving weekly updates on what the next great Amazon deal is, what you may not know is compared to every other online marketing practice, email is still considered the most effective way to promote your business. If you want to build a business as a creator, creating an engaged email list is a huge move. When I tell this to people, I usually get responses like, email is dead, or no one uses email anymore. Those responses are usually from people who are either not trying to grow a business, or someone who has a business that has experienced very little growth. Don't believe me? Well, according to a report from HubSpot, email averages a $38 profit for every $1 spent. That's according to the most recent data in 2020. That's a 3,800% ROI. I challenge you to find any advertising or any channel out there that is going to give you a better return on your investment. There are roughly 3.9 billion, that's with a B, email users in the world, and that number is supposed to increase to 4.3 billion by 2023. That's daily email users. That's not active accounts. That's actual people logging into and checking their email daily. Seriously, think about it. How many people do you know that don't have an email account? Your grandmother probably has one. Hell, most kids have an email account if they're of school age. I have at least two. On top of this, marketers have seen a 78% increase in email engagement in the last 12 months. This means more people are logging into their emails every day, and more people are engaging with those emails. This brings up an interesting question. If these numbers are correct, why are more people engaging with email? Why aren't they sticking to more recent methods of online engagement, like social media messengers and other methods? I think it comes down to why people use certain platforms. Email is a communication tool, nothing else. I don't go to my email to be entertained or find new information that I haven't signed up for already, right? I go to social media, news sites, and other platforms for that. I might get a newsletter or something in my email, but that's something that I signed up for. I probably found it through social media or a shared post or something like that. 
my inbox contains things I've requested, at least most of the time. We can talk about spam and junk mail and everything else later, but let's just focus on building an email list and why we want to do that. For me, most of social media has become a little bit too much, too frequent, too tiring, and recently a little too frustrating. The last thing I want to see on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram is an ad trying to get me to buy something. But guess what? People are still trying to use it to sell things consistently. Consistently is the word here. I just logged into my Facebook account and the first three out of four things I saw were ads trying to sell me something. Two ads on the right side and one in my feed. The other was a political article, which wasn't much better. I had to scroll through these ads just to see a post from a friend. Social media for me is a place to interact with my friends or people or groups or organizations that I'm following. At least that's what it should be. I don't go there to buy things. I might occasionally click on something that is really interesting, but that's the exception, not the rule. And very rarely am I actually making a purchase off of that click. I'm not saying that social media marketing is ineffective or a waste of time. I'm just saying it has some disadvantages when compared to email. You can still get a good return on investment off of social media advertising. Hell, I get about 300% right now, but email typically works better. When I log into email and see a message from a company that I know, like, and trust, I'll typically open it. I rarely get email in my inbox that isn't from one of those types of companies. I still get the occasional spam message that makes it into my inbox, but they're easy to see and I delete them immediately. Assuming you do the same thing, you know, most of the stuff in our email inboxes is something we've requested at one point or another. So I primarily get emails from people or companies that I already know. On social media platforms, I get ads from everyone. Most of them I don't know or recognize. Sure, Google and other big data companies have made it so the ads are at least mostly relevant, but they are still ads. There, there are probably other opinions on this, but the data is pretty clear. Email works for generating revenue. I'm not talking about new customers. I'm talking, and I'm not talking about leads. I'm talking about revenue. So let's look at some of the other advantages of building an email list, and then we'll explore this a little bit more. So probably the most important reason for you to own an email list is it's essentially a commodity. If you use a service like MailerLite or MailChimp or any of the other mail email service providers, you can decide to move those same addresses to another platform. So I'm oversimplifying this, of course, but you can take all of those email addresses and move them to a new provider. They belong to you, not the ESP. Let's look at an example of this, okay? If you're a creator, you need a way of selling your services or product, right? For example, I'm an author. I sell my books on Amazon. People follow me on Amazon. The problem is I can't communicate with any of those people directly. Amazon can, but I can't. I can't ask Amazon to send an email to the all the different people who have bought my book or follow me as an author, right? I don't even know who they are. So if I write a new book in a series, I have to depend on Amazon to put that book in front of readers that have read my other books or might like my books. 
Amazon usually does a good job of this, but not always. What happens if I switch genres from thriller to, I don't know, sci-fi? There might be some crossover. Maybe I have a a detective in my thriller series and I have a detective in my sci-fi series. It's just a different setting, right? And I think maybe some of my previous readers would like it, but because they're completely different genres to Amazon, Amazon's eyes, they're not going to promote me. All right. So what happens if Amazon goes out of business? Well, okay. That's pretty unlikely at this point, but what if Amazon decides to remove my books from their catalog or they decide to reduce the amount I get paid for each book I sell? If those things happens, I'm in a tough spot. But if I have my customers' email addresses, I can adjust. I can move my books to other platforms. I can sell my books directly from my website if I want to. The fact is that without an email list, Amazon owns all my customer information. They can do whatever they want with it, and I have no control. The same applies to other sites like Etsy or eBay or any of the number of different platforms out there that help creators sell stuff. There are options for people to give you permission to contact them in places like Etsy, but it's not automatic. They actually have to opt into it. And it's against Etsy's terms of use to contact them without this permission. So these third-party sites own the customer data, not me and not you. I'm not going to name names, but I know of an author who got removed from Amazon. He had a huge following and was smart enough to build a huge email list. He now publishes his books directly, right from his website. I'm sure he was panicking when Amazon booted him, but he was able to adjust because he had that email list. The same situation can be applied to any platform, Amazon, Etsy, Freelancer, etc. It doesn't matter. If you have your own list, you control the communication. Another advantage of an email list is that it's up to you when to communicate with these people and how you communicate with them. Let's look at another example. I just opened my email. I had four new messages. Two were from companies that I buy things from and two were from people that I'm talking to about a podcast interview. The company emails I receive were from a book promotion site that lets me know about a promotion that's upcoming and it might be a good match for me based on what I told them to look for. I signed up for this service, and while this specific promotion is not exactly right for me, it was pretty close. The other business email is from a company that I've purchased audio and video equipment from in the past. I've been looking for a new laptop over the past month, and the email has sales information on computers. They obviously use Google Analytics to target me. There is one computer on their promotion that I've been looking at. Maybe I'll buy it. Maybe I won't. But before that email, I didn't even know they were retailing in laptops. I didn't realize it was a retailer I should consider. Good for them. The important thing is I know, like, and trust those com- those businesses, those companies, because I signed up for their email list in the past. They send me emails regularly, and now I expect them. In addition to this, the audio video equipment company also sends out emails with tutorials and online class announcements that I find useful. Maybe not the primary reason I signed up, but it's still useful. They use it in an effective way. When they get new products and services, I learn about them right away. All right, 
So we know email is an effective marketing tool. I gave you that data. And we know at least one reason why it's important to build an email list. Does that mean you can go out and just start blasting emails at people to buy your stuff? I really hope you can answer that yourself, but just in case, no, you can't do that. A huge part of using your email list is building a relationship with the people on your list and engaging with them. I just said I would open emails from people I know, like, and trust, not just random people or companies. How do you do that though? How do you get your your list to know, like, and trust you? The answer to this question is like the answer to many things. It depends. Are you building a personal brand? How much do you want the people who receive your emails to know about you? Is your company associated? Is it associated with you as a person or is it autonomous? Does your business have a personality or is it some faceless company? You know, I have an email list that I engage with weekly. I send an update about projects in my life every Sunday. I don't get overly personal, but I'm open to that. I share pictures of my dog and tell them about some struggles or cool things in my life. There are other people I follow that treat their emails like close friends. Those people have ridiculous engagement, but they are willing to open their lives to the outside world. Others take a more generic approach. It just depends on what works for you and your audience. The important thing is to test what works. And once you figure that out, do more of it. I engage with my community by sending regular newsletters on the same day and time each week. I mess up a few times a year. Maybe I'm on vacation. Recently, we've been having a heat wave, so I haven't sent out this week's email because I couldn't be in my office. But it'll go out later today. So they are always in the same format and they usually only have a few links. Those links, nine times out of 10, go to something that is free or an interesting article or something. When I email my list, I have something I want to share. That's it. It might be something trying, I'm trying to sell. It might be an article or something else. I keep to a schedule and rarely miss an email. I set a pattern and my list expects the emails. That's another key. As a small creator, you can't use your list to only sell things. You need to share with your community. You don't have to give away freebies all the time, but there are other things to share. For my list, I email when I have new releases, obviously, but other than that, I use the email list to provide useful content and ask questions. Because of this approach, I build a team of readers that gives me good feedback and honest reviews. They also send me words of encouragement and support. I also get people who buy my books day one because they're expecting that update. Sometimes it's a little bit nicer to get the encouragement than the book sales, but you know, it all comes in because that's how I engage with my list. They know me and some of them want to know me a little bit better. They get to know me and I get to know them as well because I ask questions. So there's a great book on this subject that I recommend and I'll I'll leave that in the notes. It's called Newsletter Ninja, How to Become an Author Mailing List Expert by Tammy LeBroke. I'm going to mess up her uh, pronunciation. It'll be in the notes. The title says it's for authors, but a lot of the practices in this book can be used in a variety of industries. She's a writer, and that's what she's applied it to. 
I recommend this book because it's entertaining to read, practical, and very clear about the approach. All right, so we know that email is effective. We know why you should build an email list for your creative business. We also know how to use that email list to engage with your customers. Now let's talk about getting one started. There are dozens of ways to set up an email list, but probably the best practice is to set up a website for your business and have a sign up form on it. I like to think of a website as your home base. For example, my website is where I put links to all of my projects. I know my site needs work, but if you're interested in my books or other projects, you can easily sign up for my email letter from, from there. I make it very easy. It's pretty much on every page. The problem is, how do you get people to sign up for the email list in the first place? It's great that you have a website, but how, how are they going to find out about it? Well, while that topic alone can and has filled entire books, I want to talk about a few methods or channels that I have either used for my own business or have seen others use to great effect. All right. While there are endless ways of enticing people to sign up for your email list, they usually revolve around giving something away, a freebie. As an author, I created an entire book for this. It's technically a novella, but I wrote it as something I was going to give away in exchange for email addresses. I've seen other creators do the same thing. Some will give away a list teaching how to do something. Others will do newsletters and coupons. Others will do short live or pre-recorded classes on a specific subject, like a webinar or something, you'll need to determine what is best for you and your creative business. So let's assume you're an author. All right. That's what I know best. And you have a book or short story to give away in exchange for an email address. How do you connect with people that might want your story? The first is a simple organic sign up. Organic basically means the person signed up and was not really approached by you actively. They enjoyed something you did or an interaction and then signed up to get more information. For authors, it's a link in the back of the book that leads to your email list sign up form. So at the end of that free novella, there's a link that they can click in the ebook reader and it will take them to a sign up form. It can be on your website or it can be on a platform designed to collect email addresses. I believe Facebook even has lead gen stuff. For authors, there are sites like BookFunnel where an author can create a sign up form that links to their email service provider. And you don't even really even need a website for that. It's just hovering right there. You can also put links in your social media accounts, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram all have places in your profile where you can put links to your website. While the people who come to you through organic means tend to be the most engaged, they are also entirely out of your control. You can make it easy to sign up, but that's about it. You can put links in different things. You can put signups on business cards. You can, you know, anything that's just laying around that is not really actively pursuing someone. That's how you get organic reach. All right. The second is through directing traffic to your signup form. And this can be done through paid advertising or through swaps. I'm familiar with how to do this in other industries, but authors are always promoting other authors. There are entire websites dedicated to helping authors do this. Um, maybe if you're a potter, the organization 
that is running an event you're participating in will give you the opportunity to be included in an email list. Um, that way people can sign up by looking at, you know, pictures of your designs and a click here to learn more type thing. Maybe you run a giveaway at an event. So maybe let's say you're a potter and you're at an event and you have a little sign up that says, I'm going to give away one free coffee cup at the end of the day to anyone on this list. And you ask for a name and an email list. That's really, you know, that's a way for you to direct traffic to your sign up form. It's physical, but it's still a sign up form. So this is where you need to get creative and think of opportunities. I know I already talked about how I'm not a big fan of social media as a platform to engage with my community and generate revenue, but I never said it wasn't an effective platform for engaging and creating new leads. I said it wasn't as effective as email. All right. One area where social media outperforms email is discoverability. The only problem is you usually have to pay to get discovered. You can build a page or a group or do promotions, but those are typically going to cost some money. Let's dive a little deeper into this, okay? Because this is a huge area and I'm only gonna be really touching the surface of it. I've talked about Facebook a lot here, so maybe looking at Instagram would be a good contrast for this. Did you know that you cannot put links in your normal Instagram posts? So you can build an audience on the platform you can even register your account as a business and take advantage of the Instagram store if you sell physical products. You can run advertising on Instagram and drive people to your account. You can then interact with them through the platform. But I've said this before, people don't go to Instagram to buy things. They may end up on the Instagram store and they may click on ads, but that's not usually why they're there. They're there to look at interesting pictures and interact with friends and people they find interesting. Many people that I follow use Instagram to gain exposure for their business. They post photos of products, add details about creating the products in their stores, and they promote upcoming specials. They have videos on their Instagram stories and a bunch of other things. They engage and build a relationship but it's difficult to promote or sell anything directly. They have a link to their store or site in their profile, but that's about it. You know, so how do people direct traffic to an email list from these platforms? Well, simple, they pay for it. They create an advertising campaign to get people to sign up. On Facebook and Instagram, the link to the, the person clicks on will take them to a signup form. Then the person can exchange their email for whatever they're giving away. It could be, you know, a video, it could be nothing. It could just be, hey, if you want to be alerted of the next sale or the next product or something, it could be a 10% off coupon. I get those daily, you know, how much you pay depends on your industry. So let me give you a little example. I, I give away a free story. The last campaign I ran to get new people to sign up was on Facebook. You know, same thing is Instagram really, if you're looking at it from this point of view. I had a good image that got about 50 people per day to click on it. I think the rate was around 5%, which is actually pretty good considering the population I was going, that I was targeting. So I paid on average eight cents per click. That's actually pretty cheap. So I'm pretty lucky. So 
I was spending about $4 per day for 50 clicks. Out of that 50 people, I had about 70% sign up for the email list. Remember, at every step along the way to your goal, you'll have people leave. So those 50 people clicked, but I didn't get their name and email right away. That sent them to another page where they had to input that stuff. I'm sure you've landed on another page sometime and gone, oh, he just wants my email list. You know, I'm not going to do that. And then he goes away or whatever. You know, I have about 35 people out of 50 who sign up for my email list to get whatever I'm giving away, which is a novella. So I, I was spending about 12 cents per email list sign up. That might sound good to you. And it actually is pretty good. It's it's cheaper than a lot of the cost per click that I get in other campaigns. But that's not the end of the story. I now have 35 new people on a, my email list. Great, right? Well, actually I have about 18 people that matter on my list. And you, you might be thinking, well, why only 18? Well, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who sign up for the email list just to get something for free. They'll never interact with me. They'll never buy anything from me. You know, we call these people freebie seekers. So I have 18 people that I paid $4 to get onto my list. That's about 23 cents per person. I'm rounding up just in case you're good at math. Um, I'm not great at math. I can do it, but I dread it. All right. That means I need to make 23 cents per person just to break even on my advertising out of those 18 people. So as luck would have it, I can count on about one out of 10 people on my new subscriber list, those 18 people, to purchase something. I'm going to round up slightly on this and say that two people from that list of 18 people purchased the first book in my series that the free story led into. That's $6.59 that goes to me after Amazon takes its cut of the sales. My current book series costs $4.99 each, right? So two times that, take out their cut. I get $6.59 for those two sales. So I just made $2.59 profit from spending $4 or about 160% ROI on investment. Not great, but not bad. You can run a business on that. Right about now, you might be thinking, this sounds like a lot of work to make $2.59. And you'd be right. That'd be crazy. But guess what? I have more than one book in my series. And a high percentage of the people who read book one read book two. So ultimately, I make on average about $7 profit for every person who decides to buy. So out of that, what is it? $6.59 that I make off of those two people, I'm actually making a total of $14 because they buy book two as well. So I also have a new book in that series coming out. So every book that I add on to that series just means more revenue, but I'm not paying for them to get back into my list. The list building that's how they learn about the new books coming out. I don't run advertising to book three in a series. I only run it to book one. So when I run my ad to book one in that series, I can realistically estimate that a certain percentage are going to buy from that free book. And then a certain percentage are going to buy book two and then book three. So every time they buy a new book, 
that's basically free profit for me because they're already on my list and they'll get it. They'll get an email notification whenever I have a new release. Right about now, you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not a writer. Why does this apply to me? I don't have product number two, three, four, five, and six that are going to be built upon, you know, this first free book or whatever. Well, actually you do, you know, assuming you don't make one thing and one thing only. Let's use the potter as an example. Okay, you go to a craft fair or whatever, and you see this potter and he has a cool booth and you really like his design aesthetic and you're like, well, you know, I'm going to shell out whatever it costs for this mug. I'm just generalizing here. And he says, hey, do you want to sign up for my email list? I'll send you a coupon and I'll let you know about new products that we have coming out and any cool designs that I'm thinking about doing. You're like, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. I like his stuff. So you sign up and about a month later, you get an email. You know, that email says, hey, I've just come up with, I don't know, a plate set or, you know, here's my new mug collection or whatever. And you like his designs and you say, hey, you know, that might be interesting to me. So you go and you buy one. Well, that potter just made an additional profit off of whatever connection he made with you at that book fair or whatever, the craft fair. I'm sorry. Anyway, that's a potter example. Let's do an example of, I don't know, a book cover designer. So let's say you work with um, someone that you just really love their book covers and you're a writer and you go in and you buy a pre-made. A pre-made is essentially a cover that the artist designs from their own inspiration. And then they put it up in a marketplace and the people buy it. And you buy a pre-made and you write the book based on that pre-made and you go, oh, well, I've got book two and three that I'm planning on doing. And then you receive an email follow-up saying, hey, how did you like that cover? Here's a couple other ideas that I recently had. And here's what it costs for my services to custom design book covers for my clients. Let's assume that you saw that first pre-made book cover through a Facebook ad that was targeted at aspiring authors or people who are members of a certain group on Facebook. Well, that person might have spent 50 cents to get you to sign up for whatever list it is. And then they sold you the pre-made and maybe, maybe they barely broke even on selling you that pre-made because they had to spend $150, $200 on that ad campaign just to get one person to buy it. And that's realistic. You know, some people break even on their first campaign or they even lose a little bit of money because they're determined to get that follow-up sale. Because this is a really generalized rule of business, but your best customer is always going to be your past customer or your current customer. One final example of how this would really apply to, say, Brian D. Minks. You know, he can't run... Well, he can run ads to get you to buy his book descriptions or whatever, 
but maybe he runs an ad to give you give away a free one hour course on how to write an effective book description. Well, he does that and it's one hour and it's exclusive. And at the end of it, he says, you know, my normal price for writing book descriptions is $150. But if you click this link now, I'll do it for $100. How many people do you think would click on that link? Right. And then he does a description for whoever clicked on it. That's great. But then he also has the email of all the people who didn't click on that link. And he says, hey, you know, I saw that you were on my my free webinar on how to write really awesome book descriptions. And I noticed that you didn't purchase anything at the end. And that's great. And that's fine. And you might not need anything right now. But here's a coupon code that you can use to book time with me to consult about your next book project. He already has a bit of rapport. He gave away some good information. He gave coaching and expertise. And that built, you know, that built trust. So he can now reach out to the people on his list and solicit creative work from them. I understand that example was a bit choppy, but I hope it it really helps you understand that this isn't just limited to writers and it's not just limited to potters. It's all about creativity. And if you're a creative business owner, you should be able to think of interesting ways of engaging with people whom are on your email list to eventually get them to help support your business a little bit more. After all, they're on your email list for a reason. They like what you do. They value what you do. And maybe, just maybe, they're willing to support you and your business's future. I really hope this episode was helpful for you. If for any other reason, to give you some interesting ideas ideas on how you can possibly promote your business in the future. I want to leave you with one last thought is, you know, I remember a time when there wasn't Facebook. I remember a time when there wasn't Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or if you remember Vine or all of these different social media platforms. But I'm having a hard time remembering when I didn't have email. Think about that. In our lifetime, email has basically become a given. It's like the postal service. Well, hopefully the postal service sticks around, but that's a different conversation. Anyway, we have email. People use it every day. The data shows us that more and more people are continuing to use it. So I encourage you to get out there, build your email list, and do what you can to help your business succeed. Thank you for listening to the Being Creative Podcast. You can learn more about me and my various projects at www.richardkfox.com. And be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you're using to be notified of the next episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, keep creating. Keep creating.